Chapter Eight of Lincoln, the Lawyer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lincoln, the Lawyer by Frederick Trevor Hill. Chapter Eight, Lincoln's First Partnership. Major Stewart, with whom Lincoln had joined forces, was not in his early years a well-read or even an industrious lawyer but he was popular and had an extensive if not very lucrative practice which he was entirely willing to entrust to his new associate indeed when the firm was formed he was so deeply engrossed in politics that he gave little or no attention to the law and lincoln had to assume virtually all responsibility for the business of course if the procedure had been complicated or technical a novice would have speedily come to grief but the character of litigation was very simple in those days the precedents were few and far between and the local forms exceeding elastic lincoln met such difficulties as there were in his own way asking as little advice as possible and exercising his ingenuity to bridge the gaps in his information when his partner was not available for consultation the habit of standing on his own feet and doing his own thinking which was thus forced upon him at the very outset of his practice became his most notable trait one of his contemporaries closely in touch with his professional life testifies that he never asked another lawyer's advice on any subject whatsoever he listened to his associates and consulted with them but he worked out his own problems and there was never anything of the brain tapper about his relations with the bar the influence of this early training is plainly discernible in the remarkable self-reliance and resourcefulness which he exhibited in his later years new questions did not confuse him he faced emergencies with perfect serenity and he had long been accustomed to responsibility when he was called upon to decide questions of national import springfield the new capital of illinois was a mere village when stuart and lincoln hung out their shingle the state house had not been built the sessions of the legislature were held in a church and the houses were scattered and poorly constructed the business scattered around a vacant plot of ground which passed for a public square and many of the lawyers offices were in their hats lincoln's partner however was a person of some importance in the community and his office was situated in hoffman's row over what was then the county courthouse compared with the luxury and convenience of modern law chambers the appointments of this office seemed somewhat meagre the furniture consisted of a roughly made table a few chairs a lounge a bench and an old wood stove and the library comprised five illinois reports and about twenty volumes of miscellaneous law books legislative reports and congressional documents arranged on clumsy board shelves nailed to the bare walls inadequate as this equipment may appear it was superior to that of the average country practitioner indeed mr conkling in his legal reminiscences of chicago states that there were not at that time half a dozen law libraries in the city which could boast a hundred volumes and that the revised statutes the illinois form book and a few elementary treatises constituted the usual legal outfit in this small bare and uninviting office lincoln passed much of his time for the next few years working there by day and sometimes remaining for the night sleeping on the crazy old lounge covered with a buffalo robe fortunately for him there was no necessity for such engrossing desk work as is now required of ambitious attorneys but there was more dull clerical routine than falls to the lot of the average practitioner of today. 
all legal papers had to be written out in longhand and as there were no duplicating machines every additional copy meant considerable manual labor and most of this drudgery fell upon the junior partner he not only drew the papers but he kept the books of the firm and while stuart was in congress he tried almost all the cases that he had virtually no legal precedents to guide him was distinctly an advantage in these days of encyclopedias and digests a man who enters upon the study of law with a creative mind capable of logical deductions and close reasoning is apt to become case-ridden before he is fairly started on his practice many modern students unconsciously surrender their judgment to the guidance of the court of last resort their sense of justice sways with the prevailing opinion they cease to reason and merely parrot the latest decisions lincoln was subjected to no such stunting influences he reasoned out new propositions with an unbiased mind not with the idea of agreeing or disagreeing with the previous expressed conclusions of some other intellect but to get at the truth of the matter and it was doubtless this training which enabled him at a later period to state political issues with more originality and clearness than any other speaker of his day there is a story to the effect that when he argued his first appeal before the supreme court at springfield he announced that all the adjudications he had been able to find were against his contention and he would therefore merely read the decisions he had collated and submit the matter to the court if this story be true it is certainly fortunate that legal precedents were rare in illinois otherwise lincoln might have been browbeaten by authority as are some of our case lawyers of today. the anecdote is not authenticated however and is probably apocryphal even if the young advocate had been doubtful of his cause he never would have meekly read it out of court with adverse decisions as a matter of self-interest he would have made the best possible argument for the public was largely represented at all judicial hearings and it was highly important for a beginner to make a good impression on the assembled audience he was far too shrewd to have made an exhibition of himself by quoting decisions against his own client and tamely submitting his cause to the court such a performance would have ruined a newcomer for it would have been laughed at in every corner of his small community before the day was over lincoln on the contrary made a favorable impression from the start and springfield soon came to hold his legal ability in high esteem although it was important for a young attorney to give a good account of himself in the public sessions of the courts it was scarcely less essential that he should make himself felt in the rough-and-tumble debates at the general store or other headquarters of public opinion the lawyer who waited for business to come to him in those days would never have built up a clientele the village forums were the places where reputations were won or lost and the man who made his mark there was soon sought as a legal champion lincoln more than held his own in these semi-public discussions and arguments and it was not long before his advent was hailed with delight by the habitues of speed's store the most popular arena in springfield but though his friends and neighbors recognized his ability and proclaimed it his uncouth appearance was decidedly against him and he not only failed to inspire strangers with confidence but actually invited their derision and contempt shortly after he became associated with stuart the latter sent him to try a case in mclean county for an englishman named badley giving him a letter of introduction which advised the client that he could rely upon the bearer to try his case in the best possible manner badley inspected his counsel's partner with amazement and chagrin the young man was six feet four awkward 
ungainly and apparently shy he was dressed in ill-fitting homespun clothes the trousers a little too short and the coat a trifle too large he had the appearance of a rustic on his first visit to the circus and as the client gazed on him his astonishment turned to indignation and rage what did stuart mean by sending a bumpkin of that sort to represent him it was preposterous insulting and not to be endured without attempting to conceal his disgust badly unceremoniously dispensed with lincoln's services and straightway retained james a mcdougall later a united states senator from california to take charge of the case history does not relate whether the irate englishman won or lost the cause but we know that he lived to become one of lincoln's most ardent admirers this was not the last time lincoln's personal appearance was to prejudice him in the practice of the law many years later stanton then one of the leading lawyers in the country was to snub the long-armed creature from illinois who presumed to assist him in a celebrated case and he also lived to revise his judgment and acknowledge the superiority of the man he flouted End of chapter eight